Uh, beloved in the Lord, when I was asked to preach and give attention to the fifth commandment in the light of Lord's Day 39 this afternoon, I was uh, reflecting on the fact that last Sunday was Father's Day. I realize that the older I get, the more Father's Day uh, has changed for me. For example, last Sunday I got my first Father's Day card that was a combo card. It was addressed to Dad and Grandpa. And I realized I'd enter into a whole new phase of Father's Day. Uh, This past week, uh, my youngest daughter turned 16. Uh, She's the last minor in the house. All the rest have either left the house or adults living in my house. And uh, that means Father's Day uh, is very different from when all the kids were younger and they would have um, help from their teachers to make duct tape ties. I never understood that. Like, who in the world was ever going to wear one of those ties in public? Actually, I know one guy that did, but he was just different. So, but I get Golf Town gift cards now, um, which is great. I get to go out and buy golf balls because I lose them from time to time. So in my little world, Father's Day has changed a lot. I'm the father of adult children, and I'm the adult child of parents who are eh, getting older, to put it succinctly. And so it got me thinking about who the audience is for the fifth commandment. To whom is God talking when he says, honor your father and your mother? that it may go well with you in the land the Lord your God is giving you. And I think our first instinct is to say, well, God is talking to the young children, and uh, this afternoon, you know, maybe you instructed your young children to say, you know, this, this sermon's going to be for you, and so, you know, listen up, because, uh, well, you need some work on honoring uh, your father and your mother. When it comes to the parent-child relationship, we tend to think largely of that a relationship in terms of parents and, you know, minors, young children in the home. And, and I think maybe even the catechism has that bias, or maybe I just have that bias when I read our catechism lesson. The, the language at least suggests to me uh, that we're talking about parents and children in the home. Submit myself with due obedience. Maybe in some cultures, uh, children, no matter what their age, are always submitting themselves with due obedience to their parents. Uh, but I think in our culture, um, largely we we stop doing that when we get to a certain age. And so we tend to come to this commandment with just the perspective of uh, young children being addressed. But to make young children uh, the audience or even the primary audience of this commandment is to miss out on a much larger audience. After all, <coughs> we become you know, adults at age 18 or 19. I never know what it is. Um, it probably should be 25 for the males because that's when their brain is fully formed, I'm told. But we become adults at 18 or 19 years old <coughs> and we stay adults for, for much longer than we stayed Uh, children. And often in those adult years, we remain in relationship 
uh, with our own parents. Past few weeks, we've had in our own church uh, a woman who turned 75, and her mother turned 106. Uh, So imagine 75 years of honoring uh, your mom. And so as we turn to the fifth commandment this afternoon, (coughs) I've decided to go with whether you are young or old, the Lord calls you to honor your father and mother. And uh, we're going to turn to the scriptures together this afternoon to the two passages we read, and we'll see how um, the apostles and how the Lord Jesus works out this truth for us. (coughs) When we come to the fifth commandment and that word honor, it's a word that finds its... (coughs) roots in uh, the concept of being heavy or being weighty. There was a priest named Eli in the Old Testament. You can read about him in 1 Samuel. And in 1 Samuel 4, we are told that he dies. He receives some very difficult news about the death of his two sons in battle. And we are told that uh, the reason he died is he fell over backwards in his chair and broke his neck. And then the scriptures proceed to inform us that he was old and he was heavy. Now, what is striking about Eli's death is the role that this word heavy plays in the scene that immediately follows his death. For just as the news of the death of his two sons and the capture of the ark of God in battle by the Philistines Uh, prompted Eli's death, so the news concerning his sons also prompted his daughter-in-law to give birth. And you might remember, if you know this story, you might remember the name that she gave her son. She gave him the name Ichabod. And then the Bible says, as explanation for the name, because the glory had departed from Israel. Kabod. English pronunciation, I don't do Hebrew well, kabod, is the Hebrew word glory. Translated when it refers to something that is visually impressive. But it's also the word heavy. Translated when it refers to something or someone who's physically weighty. And it's also the word glory and honor. And it's the word honor so translated when it refers to someone who has a position that is weighty. Honor is a fitting response to a person with whom we're in relationship and who has a weight greater than ours in that relationship. To put it all into English, uh, you're probably largely familiar with an English expression about people who throw their weight around. And it's the same concept that lies behind that phrase of throwing your weight around. We use that description negatively, that phrase negatively, to describe uh, people who take their weighty position, uh, who take their position of influence and, and wield it unfairly to get what they want. And so they're throwing their weight around to get what they want. Now, of course, it's wrong for anyone in a position of influence, a position of authority, a position of weight to throw their weight around. But the point I'm making is that even in the English language, we have this this sense and this understanding that weight 
connects with a position that someone might have in a relationship with us and we with them. And so God has given um, your parents a position of weight in their relationship with you. (coughs) And to honor your parents is simply then, at its most basic level, to honor your parents is to acknowledge in both your words as well as your actions that your parents do have this position in uh, your relationship with them, that they carry a weight in that relationship. Now, as we take a little bit closer look at this particular uh, commandment, the fifth commandment, uh, I want to just observe with you that it is part of the first table of the law. It's part of the first five commandments. Now, I know there's disagreement on whether the fifth commandment is in the first table or the second table, and if you think it's in the second table, it's, it's fine. It's, it's not an issue, but I, I tend to look at it as part of the, the first table of the law. And the first table of the law teaches us how to live in relation to God. And this is significant when you come to the fifth commandment. So that you would see that your positive response, your honoring response to your parents' position of weight and authority is an extension of uh, your positive response to God and to his position in his relationship with you. For he, of course, carries a far greater weight uh, than even your parents, but God connects these things uh, in his law. So the way you respond to your parents should resemble the way you respond uh, to God. And (coughs) it's the Apostle Paul who makes that link for us as he uh, explores and explains the uh, fifth commandment. I'm thinking now of what we read in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 1. Children, and he's especially, as we see here in context, addressing the young children in the home. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Obey your parents in the Lord. There's a positional relationship that you young children have with the Lord Jesus And that positional relationship where you honor him and you love him and you obey him translates into how you relate to your parents who also have a position of weight in uh, their relationship with you. And that your parents have that position is determined by the Lord's will. And I think the lesson this afternoon says something uh, very similar. Uh, It is God's will to govern us by their hand. God has set up in society um, relationships where one person, one group of people has a a greater weight, as it were, than the other. We have it in the parent-child relationship. We have it in the uh, government-citizen relationship. (coughs) Our lesson makes a general reference to all authority relationships, and I'm not pursuing that particular line in the lesson this afternoon, but it's certainly there for your uh, consideration so for you to honor your parents or for you to honor government or for you to honor anyone who's in a position of authority over you is, is for you to honor God. And so a failure to obey this commandment is a failure to honor God. And that this relationship that you have with your parents, that this relationship is, is so important, also in the eyes of God, is why our lesson calls for patience. And why our lesson calls for weakness when it comes to the shortcomings of your parents or others in authority over you. 
Patience is just another way of honoring their position. And patience honors God who put them in that position. Now, I do think it's important to point out, uh, and sometimes in the history of the church, this has not been appropriately addressed. I think it's important to point out that when that position uh, of weight and authority in the family home, that of parents and children, uh, gets abused by the parents, um, patience is certainly not what God is calling for with the fifth commandment. Uh, Patience is for weaknesses, patience is for shortcomings, patience is not for evil parents and evil deeds perpetrated by parents against their children. Uh, Parents who use their weight to harm their children in any way uh, need to be dealt with, need to be reported uh, to the uh, proper authorities so that the children in the home can be protected and the parents can be punished. That's the exception to the norm. And the norm, the biblical norm, is that you children would honor your uh, parents. Now, such honor is much more than just you're going to be patient with them in the midst of their weaknesses and their shortcomings. And so it begs the question this afternoon, what else does it mean to honor your father and mother besides being patient uh, with them? And, you know, Paul answers that uh, question as he addresses the young children in Ephesians uh, chapter 6, verse 1, where suddenly honor is obey. Children, obey your parents and the Lord for this is right. Then he appeals to the honor command of the fifth commandment. In other words, the primary application of the fifth commandment to you young children is that you would obey your parents. (coughs) So that's how you honor your mom. That's how you honor your dad. You obey them. You're going to listen to their good instruction, as the lesson says. You're going to accept their correction and guidance in your life. And, of course, you're always going to do this uh, with a smile on your face. Now, I know you, you don't always do it with a smile on your face, and, uh, but, but God is calling you to do it you know, with a smile on your face. You are to honor them because God has, as I've said, giving your parents the weight in the relationship. I think sometimes that's frustrating for us as human beings that somehow God has structured any number of relationships so that someone else has the weight, and if I'm the one that doesn't have the weight, um, I get annoyed um, by the person who does have the weight, even if they're doing their very best. But the parents, your parents do have that weight in their relationship with you, and their words have to carry weight for you. Their correction has to carry weight for you. You're not to treat the words of your parents lightly. Now, the flip side to this, and Paul gets to this also in Ephesians 6, the flip side to this is parents have to be very, very sensitive to the fact that they have this weight in the relationship uh, with their children. You know, people who, who have weight in relationships that's greater than the person they're in relationship with. They always have to be sensitive to how they use that, how they carry themselves, what they do with that. And so Paul reminds the parents, and I think he is specifically speaking in terms of the parents of young children. He says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. It is one of these 
passages that's always challenged me as a, as a father, and I'm sure it's challenged some of you fathers and, and some of you mothers as well. Um, it is, it's actually not that hard to exasperate uh, our children, uh, and it is quite hard to bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And one of the things that frustrates children probably the most, exasperates them the most, is parents that are just simply uh, inconsistent in uh, their training, inconsistent in their uh, instruction, in their guidance, in their commands. One day uh, the rules are this, the next day the rules are that. Uh, One day, um, you know, the child's shortcomings get smiled at and a hug is given the next day. The same shortcoming is met with a a blow-up on the part of mom or dad. We have to be aware as parents of young children uh, that our our position, our weight, uh, can have a significant, sometimes lifelong impact upon our children. But that weight that we carry as parents um, begins to shift as the children grow up, uh, become adults, and ultimately uh, leave the home. Um, while that, the way that kind of relationship works out shifts and changes, the, the honor is always there, the weight Uh, is always there. Um, We're not going to use the word obey uh, of the the grown child who's who's left the home, the adult child. I I don't, at least, I don't see scripture calling me to obey my father and my mother um, at this point in my life. Uh, But the command to show honor uh, remains on me as long as my father and or my mother are alive. And so we get back to the main thought, whether you're young or old, the Lord calls you to honor your father and mother. We've talked a bit to the young, now I want to talk a bit to the old or the older. And there's actually some evidence that the fifth commandment might have even been directed first and foremost at adult children rather than at young children. And I'm thinking of the, the penalties that were attached to disobedience to the fifth commandment. And in the law of Moses, the death penalty was provided for sins against the fifth commandment. You didn't apply the death penalty to children. You applied the death penalty to adults. Exodus 21.15, to give you an illustration of this, whoever (coughs) strikes his father or his mother shall be put to death. And then two verses later, whoever curses his father or mother shall be put to death. Gives you the death penalty, gives you a sense of the, the weight that God has put upon the fifth commandment and the way he looks at disobedience uh, to that commandment. And there's something striking, by the way, in Exodus 21, 17 about that word, whoever curses his father or mother. Um, we'll come in a moment to Matthew 15 and Jesus uh, comes out of his mouth as whoever reviles. Um, but the word curses has at its root the, the idea of insignificance or, or smallness. And really, to curse your father or mother is not to curse them out, not to swear at them. To to curse your father or mother is to treat them as light. It's to treat them as insignificant. It's it's to say with your words, you don't carry any weight in this relationship. I I couldn't give a rip what you think, uh, what you say, what you want. Um, There's no, there is no weight there. I, I consider you smaller than that 
you are insignificant in my eyes. That's the very opposite of what God calls for in the, in the fifth commandment, which is to give the weight, to, to show the honor. And so when children, also adult grown children, treat their parents as light or as insignificant rather than as weighty and as honorable, um, we have to understand it's not just an attack upon their honor, it's an attack upon the honor of God who gives them this position in their relationship with us. And I want to (coughs) just see the connection between um, us as older children, adult children, and our parents and God in our reading from Matthew chapter 15 uh, this afternoon. Uh, It's a passage that we read together, and maybe it's still a little bit fresh in your mind uh, from that reading. Um, It's got the Pharisees and the scribes coming to Jesus And they're criticizing Jesus because he's the rabbi, he's the teacher. And his disciples, his followers, his students are breaking the tradition of the elders by not washing their hands uh, before they eat. Now I've got to pause here and talk to the children because I know some of you children have a problem with washing your hands before you eat. And I want you to understand that this is a far different world than the world you live in where mom or dad tells you to wash your hands before you eat. Mom or dad are just simply concerned about hygiene. They don't want to see your dirty fingers uh, putting food in your mouth or touching things on the table, and so they tell you to wash your hands. And you, by the way, you honor your parents when you wash your hands, okay? You honor them, Uh, even if you think your hands aren't dirty. Uh, you, you honor them by obeying them. But in, in Matthew 15, it has nothing to do with hygiene. <coughs> it has everything to do with um, the, the elders having established this tradition that God expects his people to be pure and holy and therefore they should wash their hands before they eat. That somehow washing your hands before you eat is a sign to God that you desire to be pure in his sight. You desire to be holy in his sight. Here's the problem. God had never told his people to wash their hands before they eat. And he has certainly never said, wash your hands before you eat so that you can be pure and holy in my sight. It was a completely man-made rule. Pharisees had made this one up. It's a tradition of the men who led the church of the day. And the Pharisees simply did not have a right to demand obedience. And here's an interesting illustration of someone with a position of weight, because the Pharisees had a position of weight. They were leaders. And yet Jesus says, you don't don't get to make that demand upon the people of God. If my disciples want to eat without washing their hands, uh, tough, uh, because... God has not made that a commandment. You've made it a commandment. And yet here's, here's what's so messed up in this portion of Scripture that we read. It's not just that the Pharisees had come up with uh, man-made rules to better obey God. And by the way, that's the big danger in the church always, that someone's coming up with a rule and tells you it's so that you can better obey God. Well, if God thought it was so important, he could have told me in his word that this is a rule. 
But it's not just that the Pharisees had come up with man-made rules to better obey God. It's that they were actually willing to break the commandments of God in order to maintain their man-made rules. And that's what has Jesus a little bit hot under the collar in our passage. And so Jesus says, and why do you break the commandment of God for the sake of your tradition? (laughs) He says, you want to talk to me about my followers breaking your traditions. Let's talk about how you, for the sake of your tradition, break the commandments of God. And the commandment he points to is the fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. And then he proceeds to quote those words that I referenced earlier from Exodus 21, 17, whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. Whoever treats mother or father as insignificant must surely die. And Jesus' application here (coughs) of the fifth commandment is not directed at young children living in the home. It's directed at adult children, grown children. Honor your father and your mother. And in the ancient world, the most obvious, the most regular way in which a grown child honored father and mother was making financial provision for them in their old age. That's what honor meant in the ancient world. You took care of your parents financially. Should be no surprise to you, there was no pension plan in Israel in the days of Jesus. The government was not into giving money to the citizens. The government was into taking money from the citizens, but it wasn't certainly into giving money to the citizens. There was no, there was no old age security. There was no uh, RSP. There were no RIFs. Um, none of that stuff. Yet there was this tradition of the elders of the church that said, if you give a financial gift to God, then you're excused from taking care of your elderly parents financially. You need not honor your father and mother if you are honoring God with a financial gift. Jesus says, you want to talk about what it means to be pure? You want to talk about what it means to be holy? Let's talk about how for the sake of your tradition you cancel, you make void one of God's commandments. And Jesus says, you're a bunch of hypocrites. And Isaiah had it right when he prophesied about you. This people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. And it's no coincidence that Jesus at this moment quotes a passage about honoring God. These people honor me with their lips. To truly honor God is not determined by what your lips say about him, but what your lips say about your mom and dad, your father and mother. To live a pure life is not about washing your hands because um, some man has created some rule that this means you're pure and holy. To live a pure life. It's not about washing your hands, says Jesus. It's about caring for your parents. We live in a world where there's too many deadbeat dads. I think that's a well-established fact. But here it's the deadbeat kids that Jesus takes on and Jesus condemns. He condemns grown children who void the fifth commandment. So what does that mean for you? You're a grown child and you still have uh, parents alive. Uh, Well, in our cultural context, there are various reasons uh, why this is much less probably about caring for your parents uh, financially. We do have, you know, government safety nets in place. Um, A lot of uh, parents have been able to to save. Um, And so it's generally, especially uh, not 
in the early years of, of kind of your parents no longer being able to work, that you would provide for them financially or you would have them live with you. Some of you may have your parents live with you for financial reasons. Um, or maybe you live with them for financial reasons. Uh, but either way, um, this is probably not the primary area anymore where adult children are, are being called to honor father and mother. But it is about showing care for them uh, in other ways uh, than finances. And, you know, we just had Father's Day, and I think one of the ways we honor fathers uh, when we're grown children is we, if father lives close by, we, we try to go see father around Father's Day. Um, maybe we go see, see dad on his birthday, we see mom on her birthday. Um, but, you know, it would probably be more uh, in line with obeying the fifth commandment uh, if you saw them more than just Father's Day or Mother's Day and their, and their birthday. Because it means spending time with them. <coughs> it means uh, taking them to appointments when they can no longer take themselves to appointments. Uh, it means doing things for them that they can no longer do for uh, themselves. Every parent, uh, as they age, and I, I'm going to presume that some of you come to a point where you call your kids and you say, I need you to do something for me. I used to be able to do it myself. I can't do it anymore. Um, and for some of you kids, you're like, yeah, but they don't call me. And they keep trying to do it themselves, and that frustrates me and frustrates my siblings. Well, I remind you of the lesson. Be patient with their weaknesses and shortcomings. Uh, weaknesses and shortcomings don't go away in parents just uh, by virtue of them getting older and by virtue of you growing up. Um, your parents are going to try to remain independent, and that may be a shortcoming on their part. It may be a weakness on their part. It may be uh, God calling you to just keep being patient with them. Patient with them as you listen to their worries. Uh, patient with them as you listen to their stories, some of which you've heard 35 times, but you're still going to listen uh, to their stories because that's your way of honoring uh, them and the position that God has given them in your life. This can be challenging uh, far more than maybe in Jesus' day. I'm talking frankly about life expectancy. As I said, we have a, a lady in our congregation who turned 106. And uh, I know most of you are probably thinking, I don't want to be 106 and I don't want my parents to be 106. But life expectancy certainly is, is longer these days. And there's challenges to that. There's challenges to living in a global society. Some of you have parents, but they're nowhere near where you live. And um, so there's challenges to how do I continue to honor my father and mother as they get older and as I get older. And yet the length of years does not void the commandment of God. Uh, the geographical distance uh, does not void uh, the commandment of God. Uh, the financial costs associated potentially with some of these things does not void the commandment of God to love God is to honor your father and it's to honor your mother. And the way you respond to your parents should resemble the way you respond to God. And, and to me, always the greatest example of this is Jesus. Um, and maybe you're mostly familiar with the 12 or 13-year-old Jesus who <coughs> stays behind in Jerusalem after the festival and his parents have begun to go home and can't find Jesus. And so they go back to Jerusalem and... <coughs> find Jesus and he says why, why were you looking for me he says uh, did you not know that I must be in my father's house 
The greatest priority in Jesus' life was to live in right relationship with his heavenly Father. But that greatest priority did not remove that secondary priority, which was to honor his earthly father and to honor his earthly mother. And so Luke tells us that Jesus was submissive to his parents and he went back home. You would expect that after he says, why are you looking for me, that he's not going to be submissive to them, but he is submissive to them. And he does go back home with them because they had weight in his life, because they were his parents. And God had put the Son of God in submission to his earthly father and mother. And he submitted to them so that he might honor his father who was in heaven. And the father was honored and the father was glorified by the son's obedience to his parents. And he was honored and glorified by his son's obedience unto himself. (coughs) For not only did the son humble himself and become obedient to his parents, but the son humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. And in response, his father honored him and glorified him and raised him to his right hand, where he now rules over all things, having the greatest weight and the greatest position of authority in the entire universe. And your heavenly father will honor and he will glorify you who love, who serve, and who honor him by showing all honor love and faithfulness to your father and mother. For whether you are young or old, a child who is at home or a child who has grown up and left the home, the Lord calls each of us to honor our father and mother. Amen.